0: Hi, hello, and welcome, everyone. I am Dr. Sheila Sapp of Sheila E. Cares Educational Consulting and Services, LLC. And this afternoon, I am so delighted to have as a guest to interview Mrs. Angela Atkins. Angela is a writer, a speaker, a certified biblical health coach, a mentor, and a leader. And so what I'm going to have her do is tell a little bit about herself. So hi, Angela. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Sheila. I am doing good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Um, I live in uh, St. Mary's. Georgia, and I am married, and um, I kind of work from home, just working on my book and my ministry, um, which I have that on AngelaAdkins.org, and um, I just love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to share what he has done for me, and I'm also involved with Mothers Against Drunk Driving, so I'm also a representative and a speaker for them where I share um, what happened and Uh, the dangers of drinking and driving and hopefully make a difference for someone else.
0: Fantastic. And I must say, this is like going down memory lane for us because actually I met you several years ago. Now, I don't remember the exact year, but I do know that at that time I was working, I retired four years ago, June 15th, And I was working on a writing project, and you were working on the Miracle Road. Yes. And we were in a writing group, and, of course, (laughs) I was real busy, so I dropped out. But you continued, and I'm so glad you did. So, and I do know that you are the victim and a survivor of a drunk driver of a car crash. So I just want to ask you, why is this topic so important to you?
1: Um, It's important because of course I lived it firsthand. Um, My family and I were coming home from church on a Wednesday night when a drunk driver crossed over. Um, He had crossed over an entire lane onto the shoulder of the road and my dad, I was only 14 years old. It was two weeks before my 15th birthday. And um, my dad said he could tell you detail by detail, but it happened so fast. He couldn't do anything to prevent it. Uh, My sister and I both had fallen asleep in the backseat and where we lived, it took us about an hour to get home from our church. And we were on a two lane highway. So when dad noticed the car, he noticed it on the shoulder of the road and thought maybe the car was driving down or going to turn down a driveway or a side road when the car swerved again, heading straight for us. That's where, hoping to avoid a head on collision, and the car swerved again, hitting the front of the passenger's, passenger side of the car and went all the way down the passenger side, which I was on the passenger side in the back seat. Um, when the car had Finally stopped, we landed between a propane gas tank and a tree and we had less than a foot on either side. And the impact was so hard that it knocked both driver's side doors open. So when the car stopped, my sister was trying to get me to get up because the way the car smashed in, I was on her Mm -hmm. and she was saying, Angela, the car stopped, get up, get up. And she was smacking me in the face and uh, she couldn't get me to respond at all. Um, So she looked at my chest and said I wasn't breathing. So she started screaming. And dad got out of the car. Renee got out. And that's my sister. And my dad managed to get into the back seat trying to get me to respond. Angela, please answer daddy. Please answer me. He couldn't get me to respond. And he runs out into the street screaming for someone to call for an ambulance. My mom was pinned in. She was on the passenger side, of course. And she couldn't get out of the car, um, but she managed to turn enough so she could see me. And dad was screaming for someone to call for an ambulance. And um, when there were people coming out of their homes, they said within a one-mile radius, they heard the impact of the crash. So they were coming out, checking on dad. He had blood running down his forehead, said he didn't even feel it because all he could think about was that I was dead. And then he heard mom yelling leave my daughter alone and he turned around and he saw the driver not knowing that he was drunk yet leaning into the car getting ready to try to give me mouth to mouth and um dad runs over and now my dad's a preacher he's a pastor and but his fatherly reaction took over you know it's just the natural reaction he grabs him off of me you know believing i was already dead just upset about the whole thing, grabs him off of me, grabs holding him by the collar and holding him up close and said, you know, just leave my daughter alone. And then he said he smelled alcohol and he let him go and said, you're drunk. And then of course, dad started preaching to him on the side of the road, telling him that he needed God. Um, And then he got back into the car with me. And by this point, people were gathered around our car. that had heard the impact, what was going on. And some time had passed and I still wasn't breathing at that time. And he got back in the car with me and he started praying. Mom was praying. They were saying, God, you gave her to us. Please don't let her die. Please don't let her die. And my sister described it as they felt the Holy Spirit fill in the car when they felt a gush of wind go by her. And this was in Mississippi, in autumn evening. It was in October there wasn't really any wind, but she felt a gust go by her. And a lady standing by her said, did you feel that? And then the car started shaking. And all of a sudden, I started breathing again. And like, God just breathed yeah. life back into my body. But when the police officer arrived at the scene and was finding out what happened and realized the, the drunk driver that he was drunk, of course, um, we found out he had been to four bars that night. He was so drunk that he had passed out behind the wheel. He did not see us. He did not have his license due to previous offenses. Our crash was his fourth or fifth offense. So, um, and he also didn't have insurance. He was driving his dad's car. Um, The police officer was so upset, you know, at the scene and realizing this is a repeat offender. Um, Just, he handcuffed him, shook him, put him in the police car and told him not to move a muscle. He went to jail. His parents bailed him out the very next day. This was in 1987. His parents bailed him out
0: the mm-hmm. very next
1: day. And then he appeared before the judge while I was still in the hospital. And he opted for 45 days in rehab. And that was all that he got. Um, so, wow. uh, yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm also passionate about letting people know about the dangers of drinking and driving and what can happen. Because I've. I've also heard other victims tell their story, other survivors tell their story, and I know the devastation that it causes. So I'm really passionate about seeing a difference, making a difference in preventing drinking and driving. And one of um, Matt's slogan, slogans or mottos is um, no more victims. And that's our goal, you know, and that comes from education and awareness and uh Speaking, I speak on victim impact panels to first time offenders. I've been in prisons to speak. So the goal is to make a difference where someone else doesn't have to go through what I went through.
0: That is something else. And to think, here you are, a 14-year-old, almost 15, mm-hmm. and you have something like this happen. And and I want to have you tell some more, but before we I ask that question. At the point where I met you, you were an adult. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, what led you to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to write about this experience?
1: Well, I have had the opportunity, opportunity to share my story so many times. Like God has performed miracles, and I can tell you, you know, the injuries that I sustained. My right collarbone was broken, my left hip was dislocated, my pelvis was fractured in six places, my back was broken in the T12 L1 level, which is the mid-low part of your back. So at the time of the the crash, I was paralyzed from the waist down. Of course, the doctor, my dad said, can you give me a 50-50 chance that she'll walk again? And he said, no, the best I can give you is a one out of 10, 10% chance. And dad just looked the doctor straight in the eyes and said, you don't know the God I serve. So we grabbed a hold of faith that I would come out of this and that I would walk again. And even to this day, I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not a paraplegic. You know, I pretty much have everything back. It's just my feet and my ankles. So it affects my balance. And I am on lost forearm crutches. But that's further than the doctors ever said that I would be. And I'm believing God for even more miracles, even after all this time, that God will still show himself in my life. And he is. Um, but the reason, the reason for thinking of writing the book was over time, as I spoke for mad, and then I spoke in churches, I shared the miracles. I mean, there's more than one miracle that God did that even the doctors called me miracle girl, because they couldn't even, they couldn't explain how I was able to do the things or what was going on. They would say it's phenomenal. So I would share the miracles in churches, and then I would also speak in schools and prisons. And I would have people tell me you should write a book. So I did write a short testimonial, like uh, 12 pages, but then I kept hearing more and more and feeling like God was leading me. So God put me in the right path with Jessica Erico and just worked yeah. it all out to bring this book to fruition. You know, it's, we have it, Miracle Road, um, where I could share my story. And one is to bring awareness about drinking and driving and the dangers, the what I went through. But the other thing is to share the miracles, the faithfulness of God and to share steadfast faith. God takes pleasure in that. And he does heal when we put our trust in him and we have that immovable, unshakable faith in him.
0: Yes. And I wanted to ask you all of those things that you mentioned, your injuries, how long were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital. The
1: crash happened in October. Um, October 14th. And the first time that I was able to go home for a short period for three weeks was right before Christmas. So, yeah, a good two months. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go back into the hospital for another month after Christmas. But they just gave me a little bit of time at home. So almost three months in the hospital.
0: And with those injuries that you sustained, I, and I'm sure with all of the things that you have shared with us about the injuries and so forth, mm-hmm. how did you overcome other challenges and obstacles that I'm sure you had to face yes. as a, a young teenager?
1: Mm-hmm. I, I kept my faith in God. That's how I got as far as I am now and also believed I wasn't going to let it hold me down. That I was going to do everything that I could. I remember one time in the hospital, I had one of our church members come in and talk to me and said, as they were getting ready to send me straight to Chicago to a rehabilitation center there, um, she she came to me and she said, "Don't ever say you can't. Say you will try. You will do what you can." So you know that determination. But that determination come with, I know that Jesus is my healer. I know that by his stripes, I am healed. I know that I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. So that's what I held on to through my whole life to take something that was negative and turn it into something positive for God's glory. And in fact, on the side of the road that night of the crash, after God restored breath to my body, uh, God put the scripture in dad's heart and dad shared it with me Romans 8 28 all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose we took that as God saying this is a dark thing this is a bad thing that happened but that God was going to turn it around he was going to bring bring positive out of it he was going to show his glory through it so that's what got me through life even now it's like I believe God's still showing his glory and I believe he's still going to show it even more. So I keep going, trusting him to work in my life and to make a difference.
0: Yes. And he, I mean, he is a miracle worker. There, There is no doubt about that. Yes. In your book, Miracle Road, you say there is healing in forgiveness. Yes. And I have a copy of your book. I downloaded it. So I have a Kindle copy of it. Uh-huh. So would you explain that further because you actually forgave the drunk driver. Yes. So I'm assuming that was he uh, a young adult at the time when the accident happened or a He was, a
1: he was a, an adult. He was 35. Okay. Um, he had a son that was my age. And I didn't know his son. We didn't go to the same school. We didn't live right in the same town but they said that his son raked him across the coals because it hit close to home him, that someone his age almost died because of his dad's choice to drink and drive. So um, it just, just um, that whole thing, as far as what happened with him and stuff, he realized he had had previous offenses, right? Mm-hmm. He had a chance to get it right. But it took almost killing me to wake him up. And I his parents had come to visit me one night while I was still in the hospital, paralyzed. At the time, I was still paralyzed from the waist down. They brought me a dozen roses and they told me how sorry they were for what happened. Because it affected them as well.
0: Right. Um,
1: and in fact, they said that his dad was so upset the night of the crash that they he almost had a heart attack because he was so broken up about what happened. So they come in, brought me a dozen roses and told me that they were uh, so sorry for what had happened. And then they told me that Steve was really sorry. And I had met another preacher that had come in and told me the same thing and said that when Steve was bailed out of jail, the very first thing he did right after he got out of jail was go to this preacher and tell him what he did, and said that he knew his dad preached to him on the side of the road that he needed God and he wanted to get saved. So he gave his heart to the Lord that night. So they were telling the preacher told me this, and then his parents were telling me how sorry he was and that um, that he wanted to come up and apologize to me in person. Well, after they left, of course, my dad told him he didn't have to fear retaliation. But after they left, I told dad I said. I don't think I can see him. <laughs> I'm, I was still laying there in pain. Right. And I'm like, I don't think I can see him. It's, his choice is why I'm laying here. So dad talked to me uh, and I already knew and he encouraged me in this is the importance of forgiveness. And we talked about Jesus. You know, Jesus went to the cross for us, but even on the cross, he, as they were beating him and as he was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And uh, we talked about that and talked about if God, if Jesus can forgive those that were crucifying him, shouldn't we be able to forgive those that hurt us? Um, So, in there's other scriptures where Jesus himself was talking about forgiveness and how many times we're supposed to give, not just forgive, not just seven times seven, 70 times seven, you know, so it's always forgiving. And he shared the story about the master that forgave the servant and then the servant didn't forgive another servant and what he said about that. So if we want to be forgiven ourselves, we need to be willing to forgive others. And I think there's kind of a a myth in that sometimes people think you have to be best friends and do life together. It's not that it's releasing them from the, you know, like you feel like there has to be something done. You release them of that and you give it to God and let him handle it and you can move on in life without bitterness and that's what I did because in fact the drunk driver did come to the hospital the nurses had first put a sign up that said all visitors check with the nurse's station so if they he came up they were going to turn him away but I had so many people coming up to see me between school friends church friends um just the community people were coming up so one day I told them told the nurse to take the sign down And she said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, take the sign down. And my sister and a friend were there and dad had gotten mom out of the hospital for a little bit, shopping and stuff just to get her out. She was there with me 24-7. You know, she spent Mm -hmm. the night with me the whole time. She was always there nurturing and taking care of me.
0: Right.
1: So while they were gone, I told the nurse to take the sign down. And it was like he was just waiting for that sign to come down because it was like shortly after. He came walking in and I didn't remember him from the crash because I was out of it, but I knew it was him because first the preacher walked in that had told me the story about him getting saved. Then his parents walked in and then he walked in. And when he walked in my eyes went straight to the wall in front of me and I couldn't look at him Um, but I could see out of the corner of my eyes he walked around the foot of the bed and stood on my left side. And he said, Angela I am so sorry for what I did to you. And I just want to know if you'll forgive me. So when I opened my mouth to speak, the only thing that I could say was yes. I still couldn't look at him. um, But I knew in my heart, I intended and I purposed, I am forgiving him. I'm still healing. I was still processing it. But yes, I forgave him. And, um, And it made a difference. And even mom told the hospital staff at the, Rehabilitation center, and even um, at the hospital in Mississippi, uh, said Angela forgave him, and we believe because she did not hold bitterness in her heart, that helped with her healing, that helped her to come as far as she is now, and to keep going forward. And I believe that that's what God has done in my life and worked in my life because even when I speak for Mad, it's not that I'm speaking against him as a person. I'm just speaking against the act of drinking and driving and sharing. There is a chance there is other ways, you know, there you can save a life. And so in doing that, I believe that God's using me as well.
0: Wow. What a, what a testimony and a ministry. I just want to ask you, there are people that will be watching and listening Uh, to your story about what happened to you. What is it that you want people to learn or take away from your experience?
1: Well, one, you know, for Mad, my goal is that people won't drink and drive. You know, they will realize that's not a good choice. Those two choices do not go together. But one of the biggest things from my book and from my story is the faithfulness of God and how, like I said earlier, how he takes pleasure in our steadfast faith in Him and that he will work in their lives. Um, that on their miracle road, whatever the circumstance is, if they need healing in their body or if they're facing some other issue, that they too can have a miracle on their miracle road and all it takes is believing and trusting. In God. So that's what I hope that they get from my story, and that it builds their faith to receive from the Lord. Just as He wants to give it to them, um, I, I pray that they'll be able to receive it as they read my story and their faith grows, that they will too have their miracle.
0: Wow. I would like to encourage everyone who is watching and listening you need to check her book out. It is you really get even more of a feel when you actually read the book. And I thought about your father who really his act of praying for him right there, Mm -hmm. not even knowing whether you were gone or or what. And he told him to seek the Lord, that he needed Lord, the Lord.
1: Exactly. And even he got to witness God breathing life back into my body. So he watched a miracle happen on the side of the road. Even though he was drunk, he still saw it.
0: So he did see it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, wow. right there is right before the police officer got there. So he saw it happen.
0: That, I mean, this is just a remarkable, remarkable story. And I wanted to ask you, if anyone is interested in buying your book, how can they um, get it?
1: The easiest way would be to go to my website. It's AngelaAdkins.org. So um, you can go to my website, you can purchase my book there. It takes them straight to Amazon. Um, Barnes & Noble has it available. But again, the easiest way is AngelaAdkins.org. And you can also connect with me there, subscribe for my newsletter, um, connect with me on my social media sites there also.
0: Great, fantastic. Now, are there any upcoming events or projects that are going on that you would like to share at this time?
1: We do have, I'm very excited to say, that MAD is now in Camden County. So I'm really excited about Yay. that. Yay! It's, I hope it's really gonna make a big difference for our community. Um, but August the 7th is our first victim impact panel. And what that is, is uh, first time offenders are um, sentenced, um, assigned to come hear us with MAD and survivors of a DUI crash share our story so it kind of it alerts them they know the dangers they can see a face a body what has happened because of someone's choices to drink and drive and the goal is that after that they will never drink and drive again so our first one is on um, august 7th um, at saint mary's church so that's coming up
0: (laughs) Okay, i wish you the best with that And I do want to say Angela it never ceases to amaze me. Our newspaper has a section where it's crime reports the number of people who are cited for DUI and not only under the influence of alcohol but drugs too.
1: Exactly and we talk about that too you know that the driving under the influence is drugs and alcohol. Um, and it amazes me too. I mean, I was surprised to hear and just in Camden County alone how many there have been. So, the goal is with MAD, hopefully, we're going to change that. That's our hope and prayer for sure.
0: Well, I know that you have been set aside for this ministry, and God's going to be with you as he has been all the way. And I just want to thank you for agreeing to be a part of this interview. And as I said, it was like a reunion for us. And I am so glad that you were encouraged, even though I didn't know that you had already gone out and spoken to schools and at different churches and other groups about the Miracle Road and what happened to you and your family that you did put it in a book and it's now available. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that, you know, during this time we have the pandemic and I know that people have been escaping stress and other emotional things that they've been going through. And some of them have been using alcohol and drugs. So I just hope that this interview will make them have second thoughts yes. because the results of driving under the influence are, they just impact so many people. Yes. And I was it's like really a ripple like- of.
1: You know, a rock in the pond and it just ripples out. It does. The, The families and the community, you know, it just keeps going.
0: So, but again, I want to thank you. And for all of you out there listening, you will not lose if you get her book, Miracle Road. And I like how Angela shared that. All of us have and can have a miracle road. All we have to do is believe and have faith and trust in our Lord. So, Angela, I want to say goodbye to you. And again, thank you. I have thoroughly enjoyed this time and your message, and I wish you the best.
1: Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it, and it's so good to see you again, too.
0: Okay, bye.
1: Bye.